0: Brought to you by State Farm. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.
1: An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express.
0: You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off,
1: and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live
0: sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Sexton trying to get loose. He'll fire. He knocks it down. But Toro slammed it home. Garland upstairs. Oh! Sexton is fine. A thunderous dunk. And Allen blocked the shot at the rim. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Cavs Media Family. I'm your host Justin Rowan. The Cleveland Cavaliers have done it again. They have gone three and zero so far this week, beating the Toronto Raptors at the buzzer after coming off a close win against the Portland Trailblazers. Before we get into that, support from this podcast and this following message comes from Zoom. Half a million businesses connect using Zoom, a single platform for phone, chat workspaces events apps and video zoom enables real-time collaboration for teams around the globe zoom how the world connects and connecting with me now on zoom is my co-host carter rodriguez carter how you doing buddy
1: doing great man what a fun win last night i mean one of those that you know i I mean it was like five minutes into the game and i was i was uh, dming you like this isn't a win they're not winning this game um You know, and all all the reasons me and you both thought the Raptors probably had their number in this one were coming to bear. They were killing us on the offensive boards. Um, They were creating deflections. They were blocking shots left and right with their crazy length, you know, pretty much across all five positions. Um, And somehow the Cavs just hung around, hung around, hung around, hung around, and then won, Um, which was like, I still am not quite sure
0: what the hell happened here, but (laughs) it was really, really, really fun. Darius Garland happened, man. Darius Garland turned into Mr. Fourth Quarter against the Toronto Raptors. And you're right. Like, when we were previewing this week, we said these are four could-win games, right? Like, we, we didn't know how many the Cavs would actually go out and get. Um, But winning against Charlotte on the road, beating Portland at home, beating Toronto, those are all quality wins. And the reason I identified this Toronto game as one that I I wasn't particularly comfortable with uh, going in was, as you mentioned, the fact that they are the best team in the league when it comes to generating offensive rebounds. Yes, their bigs are a little undersized, but... They have six, nine guys that are playing at the shooting guard and wing positions, and those guys crash the glass. They generate more steals than any team in the league. They generate deflections at a higher rate. Um, The new defensive rules, uh, the way that the game is called really benefits Toronto because they play an incredibly, incredibly physical style uh, where you are just getting beat up all game long. You have to really compete. And um, when the Cavs started making that comeback coming down from I I believe they were down 15 uh, and, and making game of it again. I was already happy with that. Like, that was a a team that looked tired out there. Um, You could tell that Toronto was getting to them. Toronto is a team that's uniquely built to attack the weak points in this roster. And the Cavs just continued to show resiliency, right? Like, uh, a a toughness that you wouldn't normally associate with a team this young. And and it was really unbelievable that they hung around, hung around, hung around. And then in the end, Darius Garland was able to ice it with a couple free throws.
1: We were talking before the game about... uh... Uh, how some Raptors fans were unhappy with the officiating at the end, which is just so funny because, I mean, every possession is, is bumps and, and, and riding dudes and pulling their jerseys as they try to come off of screens. And, uh, you know, like they were, I mean, in, and all credit to them, they're a really, really great defensive team and really great, in especially in transition on offense, obviously the half court, um, is where the Cavs won this game, which was the kind of the way we always thought it was gonna be. It was like if they're gonna win, they're gonna need to kind of keep the keep the game slow and, and get their defense set, because Toronto doesn't do good against set defenses that don't feature Evan Mobley and Jared Allen. So, you know, I thought that was their road to the win and and, and despite, you know, still turning the ball, and there was a reason why it was so close and why they nearly lost. You know, they weren't perfect at it, but they just hung around enough. And then some shot making and some timely decisions kind of iced it for
0: him. Yeah, I I mean... The last two games, uh, Portland and Toronto have had like 15 <clears throat> plus more shots than the Cavs, right? Like uh, they are out-rebounding teams or they're getting out-rebounded. Um, they are still turning the ball over less recently uh, during this week winning streak, but you're still kind of getting those pick sixes. And Toronto is a team that is very capable of generating those pick sixes. And the bottom line is, I and I think we should circle back to this. I was very wrong about the Toronto Raptors. They are yeah, you much are. They you are. are a much, much better team than I expected. Um, OG Ananobi has made the leap. Uh, Scotty Barnes, similar to Mobley, is ahead of where I thought he would be this early in the season. Gary Trent Jr. has gone from being horrific defensively with the Raptors last year to being a very good defender. Like You could tell he bothered the hell out of Colin Sexton. He's one of the league leaders in steals. I think he's almost getting almost three a game. Um, Maybe maybe
1: he needs to work on his jump ball game next.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Losing jump balls to Darius Garland and Colin Sexton. uh, That that was a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I mean, even Kim Birch said uh, that Gary Trent Jr. He's never seen anything like it for someone to go from horrible to great defensively. Um, And and especially after having a really bad preseason as well. I don't think anyone really saw this coming. And then uh, Toronto also did what they tend to do, which is find diamonds in the rough. Delano Banton is a really one of the way back boys. One of the way back boys. Uh, I, I saw someone else compare him to Milli Vanilli. Uh, that also <laughs> tickled my fancy. But yeah, I, I mean, it's it's not exactly surprising that the second coming of Sean Livingston would play well against the Cavs. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, like they are just an incredibly deep team. Uh, they, they have length at every single position. They play hard. They're really well coached. And I, I was just, I was flat out wrong about them. They're, they're going to be getting Pascal Siakam back tomorrow, it sounds like. Uh, that is not a team that uh, is going to be a pushover on any given night.
1: No, no, they were very, very good. And, you know, like it's funny because, you know, you look at this cap schedule and you're Starting to see some of the, you know, like obviously it's it's a terribly tough schedule, but then you're starting to see some softer spots here and there. Like the Clippers aren't as good as we thought they were going to be. And, you know, it seems like the Hornets are coming back to earth just a little bit. Um, yep. quite, quite Portland quite is in its
0: predictions still looking, uh, it's starting
1: to look a little better. Like Portland has been pretty up and down, but then like, then the, the games that we thought were going to be the easy ones <laughs> in Toronto, we thought New York was going to backslide that hasn't happened. So it's like, yep. you know, even when the hardest stuff seems a little easier in hindsight, the easier stuff seems harder in hindsight. So like the, the, the hits, uh, just keep coming for the, for this team and they, they keep, uh, they keep kind of meeting the moment. And it's just been really, really fun to see. I mean, I I don't feel like anyone—I think only Ricky, Jetty, and Jarrett played well in the first half, and somehow they're down nine, you know? like And and with with every other member of the team playing the way they did up to to that point, it's just—man, can we talk about Jetty for a
0: minute? (laughs) I I, I think we probably should. (laughs) I
1: mean, this guy, I mean, was the— not the primary point of derision for this fan base, but like I would say the easiest punching bag, yeah, um and include and you know, and we took our shots too last year where we were really frustrated and the the, the play wasn't good. and I mean, I think we were a little easier on him because we we're like they don't have any options uh, a lot of the time because they were so beat up, but like we we certainly were not expecting this. I mean, and and you look at the way he's playing and it's it's just he's completely changed his shot profile. You know, I, I tweeted this out today. He's he's shooting less than two attempts a game from two point range, and <laughs> it, one point seven, I believe, is what he's what he's shooting inside the the arc per game. And he's shooting five point three threes. And, and those shots and, from
0: two have to be coming from the rim, right? And well,
1: they're transition buckets. Yeah. I'm ninety nine percent sure because he still runs the floor really, really hard, mm-hmm. um, and and fills those lanes hard. And I'm fine with him taking those shots. And I think. That shot profile is I, one. It's indicative that he's really worked on his jumper. Um, yes, I don't think he's going to shoot fifty percent all season. If he stays above forty, I'll be pretty stunned because yeah. uh, only really really good shooters shoot forty percent on five attempts a game, especially in only eighteen minutes. By the way, that's that's he's 10.6 okay. attempts the out there. That's per, for sure. Ten point six attempts for per thirty six minutes for Jetty. Um, I don't expect him to say to stay at that number, but like. I, I think it you know it reflects that he's clearly worked on the shot and he's very comf- confident in it, and it's also a refl- reflection of the the talent level on the roster that says, Jetty, all we need you to be is this. We yeah. need you to, to be a spot up three point shooter, come off curls and 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 fill spaces and relocate and get into you know in gaps when help is on other people." and we need to run really hard in transition and that's it. I mean, all, and, I would venture to our say best he's running down
0: blocker on the team.
1: <laughs> yeah, second best in Cavs history as far as I'm concerned. And <laughs> you know, I I just think you look at this guy and and he he just the the game has been simplified for him, which is really what we thought he was supposed to be. You yeah. know, like like think about rookie or jetty. we were like, "Oh, this guy's going to be our energy guy, he's going to be like a 3 and D guy, he's going to be a shooter." We weren't thinking he was going to run 15 pick and rolls a game.
0: Yeah. The roster construction
1: and injuries kind of forced him into that role, but he's been, I mean, he's probably running one or two pick and rolls a game tops at this point, and Mm -hmm. that feels about right.
0: Yeah. And this is the benefit of having kind of cornerstone guys and clearly defined roles, right? Like it becomes a whole lot easier to evaluate role players. Uh, We talked about on the last podcast some of the other factors where maybe he, he didn't come into it uh, the season in as good of shape. He he was adjusting to a n- new role, right? Like, uh, th- there was so much that went into last year with it being such a weird season, but uh, the way that he has stepped up, I mean, it's probably added a, a couple wins to the Cavs the, this season already. Like, uh, him and Ricky Rubio in particular have been really, really crucial role players. And you look at the last two games here, this was not a team that has great depth. Uh, you're missing three of your top eight guys, and you have guys filling in. Like, Jaddy Osman now, like, I think you can say pretty confidently, like this should be a permanent feature in the Cavs rotation. Like, I, I don't think you can go to eight, right? Like, I I think at the very least you go to nine, and then it's also nice to see other guys step up. Like, I, I didn't think Dean Wade was particularly good against Portland, but I thought he had a really good game against the Raptors. Like, he he made some really really intelligent plays. Uh, he plays hard. He he moves his feet on defense. Um yeah, he, he I lost, mean, eight he lost eight Norm five Powell for a few times eight. against Portland, but. I, I really thought that he had a good game against Toronto.
1: I felt like this team is a lot easier for him to match up against, um, yes. and and it, and it showed. I mean, he had you know eight and five is fine. If he hit one or two of his threes, he ended up going to four. If he had hit one of those, he goes from having a pretty good game to a pretty great game. You know, so. Yep. No no real complaints with Dean. I still don't really like the rotation choice of starting him, if I'm being completely honest. Oh but I also thought, and I was glad well, here's my question to you about uh cause because they did extend the rotation to nine mm-hmm. uh in this game. Lamar Stevens played ten minutes, which is actually all you need.
0: Yeah.
1: Like like everyone, like Mobley still played 38, Allen played 39, that's still too many and and like you want to find some spots to steal elsewhere, but that's really a byproduct of him, uh, of I think the choice to start Wade at the three. Like if Wade's your backup four, I think you can steal a few minutes elsewhere for those guys. But that aside, do you think that is uh kind of pretends a nine-man rotation going forward? Or do you think, because I... I texted you again when we were very sure they were not winning this game i said to you like i think jb knows it too because he's bringing in lamar to save these guys legs like do you think that he's going to stick with this nine man or do you think that was more he was kind of just reading the room and they just kind of needed a an infusion of energy and you know i mean obviously i had the most uh pessimistic reading at the time but yeah. what do you think
0: I, I I do think it's likely to stick with 9 be, just for the simple fact of when this team is fully healthy if you weren't going with a 9 man rotation that means Jedi Osman isn't playing at all like uh be, because once Okoro, Love and Laurie are back in the lineup that brings you to 8 plus Well starter, I I, right? I don't
1: think he was ever going to stay with just 8. Um, no, I, I don't think so either. Um, like I, I But, but I mean even of- even even for this remainder of the stretch uh, while they're down, I think he's got to keep giving Lamar the ten minutes a game. I know Lamar has had a really rough start to the year, but mm-hmm. like you just need to survive those minutes, you know. And, I, I
0: it, don't know if you need to if Okoro's back. Like if Okoro, comes well again, I next. said
1: while during this stretch while they are down those three guys, you know. Yeah. Once Okoro is back, then you just stick at nine and maybe give Windler some run on the back end as well um yeah. and, you know and
0: uh chris fedor's reporting does make it sound like there's a possibility that okoro could be back against the knicks if not uh wednesday against the wizards would, would probably be the uh the likely return date uh they actually get two days off which, which is great uh finally a little bit of rest for this team that desperately needs it but uh yeah i i definitely think you, you go with the nine man uh, you don't want to wear guys would you go to would much. you
1: go to 10 once the team's all the way healthy
0: De- matchup dependent I, I i think you would look at how some of the role players are, are playing and i i still think you want to get Dylan Windler some minutes like i, I think you want to find ways I do to, too. to at least give him opportunities to earn some minutes uh especially if you have a bit of a lead you know go a little deeper in the the bench and try to give guys Opportunities to earn minutes and, and to earn confidence uh, from the coaching staff, right? Like, because, I mean, as I said, Dean Wade wasn't playing particularly well against Portland, but you give him a little more burn. He gets a little more comfortable uh, playing at game speed and can be a valuable contributor. And I do think that they have role guys that can be helpful. Like Lamar Stevens had stretches last season where he was really helpful. Uh, I, I think he made a difference in the comeback against Toronto. He, he played really good defense. And as a team, actually, I, I felt the cat played really good defense um there, there were a couple times where sexton lost uh van vliet as well as gary trent jr and, and uh, sexton
1: sexton was like it i thought that was one of sexton's like highest ceiling lowest floor defensive games i've seen in a while because he was blowing up some uh fred van vliet pick and rolls he was getting really it was it was clear he was Really dedicating himself to getting skinny on the pick and rolls and ducking yep. through and working he, his really hard to, was
0: really impactful. Like, he man,
1: regained contact cool. really well. I was really really proud of the way he was navigating screens. Obviously proud of you know whatever. I'm proud yep. of him. Screw it. Um, I was proud of the way he was uh, doing that. And then oh, off ball man, ooh, he was space cadetting hard. I almost wonder if he was so focused on the on ball that he was like. <sighs> And then you know, he probably like, reminded in,
0: you of your beloved Dallas Cowboys with Trevon Diggs. So like it, it was a lot of no, no, with him on no, with the defensive end. There, <laughs>
1: there's no famine with him, uh, and and like any, in that narrative is so dumb. Um, <laughs> I,
0: I don't watch enough to actually know. I just know that uh, it, that's the narrative.
1: <laughs> that's the narrative, and it's so dumb. He just baits quarterbacks into into targets. So sometimes dudes make catches because it's the NFL. But like. He also baits sleep. them into targets and gets a ton of interceptions. So <laughs> shut up. Um,
0: Fair enough, but yeah, I, but I, I think yeah, I, th- right like- I thought
1: I thought Sexton was not sharp off the ball defensively. I think there was a play. I, I know you know what I'm talking about. The play where Gary Trent backdoor cut him and then just. Was Stood under the there. basket for about five seconds, and I'm not Whatever exaggerating. The Toronto
0: ball handler was like they—they they did not <laughs> have the vision because Gary Trent was standing there under the rim, and then there was the Van Vliet one that I, I noticed where he kind of left him in the corner to to provide some help, and Fred was just standing there wide open for about six seconds as well. So, um, I I, I do think, and that's the nice thing. with yeah, Sexton Yeah, and can we talk season. Sexton? Yeah. I think I think we need to because that man, people are just like. They have
1: such an axe to grind.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, uh, I find it really tiring. There. Like, like, it, like there was with Love and Jetty. Like, we know that there is that with Colin Sexton. And, like, I, this I, guy I think- can't,
1: like, I think Mac Perry of the, of the It's Cavalier podcast tweeted something like, man, uh, is the only guy who really can't get away with a bad game no matter what the outcome is. Yeah. You know, like, I, I just like I, I I yeah, he had a bad game on offense. I thought defensively he competed pretty well. Yep. But like and, and you he know, still like,
0: drew a lot of attention uh defensively, like from Toronto, right? Like, yeah, I mean, I thought
1: he had a bad offensive game. Like I think we can call a spade a spade there. The jumper was not going, the the touch wasn't there uh mm-hmm. for the most part. But you know, like man, like if, if there's anything worth feeling great about it's like the Cavs. Like that those those kind of games tank you in the past with this team.
0: Well, especially when you're down three of your top eight guys right like yeah uh, you were in that situation against portland and against toronto against portland evan mobley had his worst game of the season colin sexton probably had his worst offensive game of the season against toronto uh you can tell he's bothered by lengthy defenders this season now that they're able to be a little more physical we saw that with mikhail bridges we've seen him have these off nights against defenders like gary trent jr um but i i do think that it's a positive that he can still go out there and impact the game in other ways. Like he was not capable of having a positive impact on a game in nights where the shot wasn't falling in the past. Right.
1: And, and, uh, Devin Posey in our chat, um, uh, said something along the lines of, uh, he almost lost the game. And like, well, I guess, I guess so. But also he got clipped the same way Darius got clipped (laughs) to end the game is the the only difference is Darius got a call.
0: Yeah. the, The first one was, the the jump ball call, which was weird because it was never actually wrapped up. Uh, I saw Kevin Love tweeted about that. Uh, that wasn't great. The second time, I thought he got clipped in the same way as Garland. We're lucky it bounced out to him. Um, I thought it was a mistake to go to Sexton in those situations. I know he's been clutch in the past, but with the success that Garland had been having with those high pick and rolls all night, generating shots for both himself and others, plus knowing the way that Gary Trent Jr. had been defending him, I thought it was very fortunate that that play got blown up, the the second one, and it went out to Garland because I was like, okay, I I feel a little bit better in this situation. Um, But yeah, like it he was kind of going kind of head first into guys tonight or last night, I should say. Um, and and that's not what you want to see from Sexton, but I I do think that it overall is a positive. And I, I know a lot's been made of kind of the dip in his production. Um, he still is leading the team in usage rate by a considerable margin. Uh, it's at 26.4, which is exactly the same as it was in 1920, uh, where he was featured prominently offensively. He's just not scoring well, right? Like, the the three-point shot isn't there. We've seen this to start seasons before. Uh, 1920, I, I noted that in, in the first 33 games, he shot 27% from three. And then as soon as the calendar hit 2020, uh, January 1st, he went 4-7 from three, and shot 45% from three the rest of the season. Like We have seen him go through these lulls and we've seen him go through these lulls when he's adjusting to a new role before. So uh, it's not like this is uncharted territory for him but I do think it's a positive that he's getting his shots in different ways Uh, You don't need to give him as many touches uh, when when he's out there, but he's really drawing a lot of defensive attention with the cuts that he's making. And you would assume when we're looking at things that are sustainable and and unsustainable for the Cavs, you would expect that his three-point shooting is going to come up. Like you are going to expect him to be a better offensive player as the season progresses because he's too talented not to, and he's overcome these slow starts before.
1: Yeah, and like especially since like we're getting to kind of see it in – it, like we've seen it in glimpses when he's kind of got his touch on his side, which has been few and far in between this season for Colin. But like, I mean, uh, Chris Manning has talked about this on Locked On Cavs a few times. This is, I'm just ripping from every other podcaster on that's the fine. Cavs. That's that's this whole episode. Um, <laughs> but but Manning uh, talked about the fact that this was the first uh, time that Portland game was the first time Colin in Colin's career he hit 20 points without with with 13 or less field goals. Yeah, like. Like you see, and that's why I'm not worried about it. Is that like the proof of concept is there? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I'm seeing it. Not every game with him, but I'm seeing it enough where I go, okay. I see what this role is going to be for you on, uh, like once once everything gets figured out.
0: In those instances where Colin Sexton doesn't have it going, you can close with Rubio. You can close with Isaac Corral once he's back and healthy, right? Like, there's a lot of different ways to go. I, I do think that the process has been sound, um, but this is like. In the past, it was stats without winning, right? And that was the big criticism. I don't think it was necessarily fair to put that all on Colin Sexton. But the fact that he is adjusting his game, uh, and you're seeing positive benefits from a, a team standpoint here, uh, I, I think it's admirable. Like, I it's... He's still getting a lot of usage. It's not like when he's out there, he's being ignored. Uh, it's right around that career average. Uh, he's still getting his opportunities. Those shots are, are just going to fall. But the reality is, they're not as reliant on him in the past as they have been. Um, and- which, we,
1: which is what we always wanted. We wanted an egalitarian offense, and that's what we got. The Cavs have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and basically eight with Kevin Love at nine point nine. Players averaging double figures so far Mm. this season. Yeah, I mean that is the dream, man. Um, You know, I think that especially with a roster like this, there's just not enough individual talent to have someone putting up thirty. Yeah,
0: like and and and,
1: and that's okay, especially where this team is in the rebuild. So, like, you know, I'm fine with Collins' usage where it is. And by the way, if he's just hitting his shots at a normal rate, you can add two or three points per game to his average, and he's back up to twenty. So like I just don't I just don't understand the consternation with him like I get that it stinks that he's slumping from three but like overall it's hard for me to like just be like when 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 I'm watching a player like that in mostly the problem is that his shots aren't going in it's just hard for me to worry about it much.
0: Yeah, it, I'm. I'm in the same boat. I, I'm. I'm pretty happy with the process with Sexton, and it's nice that we can survive games where he doesn't necessarily have it. It's. It's nice to see Darius Garland stepping up. Uh, Carter, I, I know we'd like to stay in our lanes and whatnot, but are, are you at all worried about um, both the knees for Allen and Garland? Like their knees. Um, what? Well, you know, after making the leap, ah, you. Uh, I just, you. I was just worried if there'd be some swelling. uh, If you had any concerns there, I I don't want to play doctor. But
1: does anyone in the chat want to co-host this podcast with Justin? (laughs) Because I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm out after that one. That was terrible. That was one of the worst. That was one of the worst things I've ever heard.
0: And Allen in this three-game winning streak are awesome. Garland is averaging eighteen point seven and seven point three assists on a seventy-one true shooting percentage. Allen is averaging twenty-one and sixteen. Uh, over those three games, shooting 68% from the floor. Uh, He has been absurd. I think Jared Allen is playing himself into some all-star consideration this season if the Cavs stay uh, with this record. And, and I I mean, it it is just really, really impressive to see what he's done this season. Uh, They're keeping him involved offensively, and and it's paying dividends. And Darius Garland is continuing to find that balance uh, between his own offense and, and getting his teammates involved, it's getting better by the game. He's being more assertive. Twelve points in the fourth quarter against Toronto, and, and uh, as we said, winning the game. Um, this is really, really big time stuff, and, and it it feels like that leap is here, Carter. I'm not there with uh, with Darius yet. Ooh, maybe. Um,
1: uh, just I'm from there. the perspective, I just want to see a little more aggressiveness. You know, I want to see 18 become you know, 22, 23, 24 Mm -hmm. for his peaks, you know? Like, I don't need him to average 30 points a game, but I do want to see him constantly putting pressure on the defense, and there's too many quarters right now where I'm not feeling Darius be that, like, that every play impact player. Yeah, Yeah, Um, I think that's You know who I do feel that from right now, though, is Jared Allen. (laughs) Like, this guy is... um, he's just added so much to his game and and maybe it is a bit of a comfort level thing um maybe it's just that touch with opportunity of playing with some some truly you know elite point guards mm-hmm. um um but like it's just he's just kind of all over the place uh, i mean game winning stops on two straight two straight uh wins i mean <laughs> uh finishing around the bucket i mean finishing I mean, the Cavs still stink at rebounding, and mm-hmm. it's going to be a. It's a, it, they're going to lose games because of it if they don't get better at it. But I, I would say he's very much cleaned up his individual effort. At least he's up to 15, 16 boards a game. Most of the time, when they're giving up boards, it's not because of him, in my opinion. It's it a lot of times it's, he's coming over to help, and no one's boxing out his man. Yeah. Um. On on the back end, so I mean, like, just it's just been so impressive to see him kind of. Take over. I mean, it's like twenty four and sixteen every night the last like week or so. It's it's been really really fun to see.
0: Yeah, and, and I think as a team they could definitely do a better job boxing out. I, I think even getting Isaac Coral back, who I, I thought has been doing a better job rebounding this year. Like you need your perimeter guys to get involved and really make a team effort of it because. That is absolutely one of the biggest Achilles heels for this team so far this season. Like I I know the turnovers get a lot of attention, but turnovers are up across the league. Uh, If you look at turnovers per game, the Cavs are, uh, (laughs) they are, hang on, how many turnovers? They are the (laughs) sixth worst uh, when it comes to turnovers per game. So it's it's
1: fine is what you're saying.
0: It's high, but it's not like everyone else is right around like one or two turnovers. Here,
1: here here's what I'll say. Here's what I'll say. Of why it's so, why that is a worse stat than it is for most teams is because of how big they are. They mm-hmm. can't get back in transition like other teams. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I totally. Agree. So, like, it, it is damaging, but I, I kind of agree that the rebounding thing is. Well, actually, I don't know if I agree with that Like as I think you know, about it, no, because, you know why, because like you know I think I they've lost that? games because of the turnover avalanches. I don't know if they've lost games because of the offensive rebound problems.
0: You know why I said that? Because I filtered by turnovers, and I saw that the Cavs were 25th in turnovers. And I was like, you know what? They're actually not that bad. And then I realized that it was lowest per game to, to highest. So that was me misspeaking and trying to do something live, which happens. Yeah. Well, that'll <laughs> happen to you. <laughs> you. You hate to see it. but yeah, I hate I, to I, see it. I, I definitely agree like it, it's too many pick sixes and live ball turnovers uh, i'm i'm fine with some of them where they're they're trying to force feed guys on the inside like uh there, there's one or two turnovers a game uh where a guy's trying to get it to bobley and, and the lack of strength kind of comes through well yeah and and, and, and the ball in the counter you could always be the iso
1: joe hawks who were like always like third you know number one in turnover rate because nobody passed yeah. Like this is a team that is... Even
0: the 2017 Cavs, like we, they played a lot of isolation basketball and they kept the turnovers low because you could trust LeBron and Kyrie to, to execute in those situations, right?
1: Yeah. But, you know, there's a reason they're not... Like when you're number three in, a, in assist rate, you're going to inherently be high in turnover rate. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, the, the Warriors have always... That's always been their bugaboo uh, that has caused them problems. I, I believe the Suns are... Uh, pretty high up there as well. Let me double check. Yeah, at least they're top 15 uh, when you're looking at the other, you know, top assist teams in the league right now. So I don't know, man. Uh, I I just, uh, you know, I I do think that that stuff is going to come back to bite them. But again, like it's just crazy that they're winning in games where it is biting them.
0: Yeah, and, and, you know, getting these games, like, that was an absolute steal. Like, that, that game against Toronto was not a game that they should win. But, like, coming into this season, my, my prediction was 36 wins, right? Like, they need to go 30 and 42 the rest of the way to match that. Like, that is, <laughs> like, that seems super manageable. And they, if they continue on this which, path. Which,
1: by the way, I mean, just a reminder that I think their Vegas over-under was 26 and a half.
0: Right. Like, I'm... I'm an optimist. This is what I do. And uh, they seem to be exceeding those expectations. Like they are going through their February of last year right now. And they're playing really well. They are missing guys and surviving it. This is a deeper team. And I think you do need to give credit to Kobe Altman for the roster construction. Like even looking at back at the Jared Allen trade, like it's obvious what he is doing is making a big impact. But Torian Prince was the tax on that deal. And they turned Torian Prince into Ricky Rubio, who has added wins to this team this season and has been a big, big positive presence. Like uh, it, you, you look at Dean Wade, a uh, undrafted guy that they developed Lamar Stevens, same situation. Like they, they have managed to find value in the margins. Jetty Osmond is back to the player that you kind of were hoping he would be. And the, the proof of concept that we were talking about those flashes uh, the, the flashes from Darius Daris Garland's rookie year that had me really believing that he could be the, the player we're seeing right now. Like um, the, All of those little flashes, all the, the the glimpses that we got, that proof of concept is becoming more and more clear right now. And it's hard not to get excited because when a team is this young and executing at this level, um, the, the pieces make sense together and you still have all of your future picks. You have two second round picks uh, this year that look to be very valuable uh, with the Houston Rockets and San Antonio Spurs unprotected second round picks. That's valuable as a trade chip. Like this team is in a real position if this continues to take a look at how they're doing and see, hey, maybe we can uh, help accelerate this because we've done the organic parts. We've got those building blocks. We've put a foundation in place. We have a really good young core. And now you can get aggressive in supplementing that talent because it looks like you have a franchise player in Evan Mobley. It looks like you have an offensive engine in Darius Garland uh Colin Sexton you expect him to play better Laurie is working well Jared Allen is looking like a franchise center at 23 years old like this is a really 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 good position to be in here's a
1: question I have for you is with this start remember at the beginning of the season we were like let's go get Terrence Ross let's go get this guy with how Jetty has been playing with the flashes Dylan Windler's shown Knowing that Okoro is, you know, still in the wings waiting to come back is a is a is a move for a player like Terrence Ross, you know, a, a plus wing that solves a need yeah. for the Cavs. Or Jeremy Lamb. Um, or okay. or yeah, or Jeremy Lamb. Do you have less of an appetite for that kind of move now? Because I kind of do.
0: I would say less of an appetite if the price was right. If it's low enough where, where you're giving up a, a future second round pick or something along those lines, I, I still think I would have an interest in it. Um, but with like with Kevin Love playing so well and, and being bought in and Lori working out at, at small Ford, which I, I don't think is a long-term thing, but it, it's a product of having Love playing well. Um, I, I do feel less of a sense of urgency. Jetty Osmond's play has, decrease that sense of urgency and i i think from if i was able to to play gm here i i think i i'd be looking more at a larger splash like a, a long-term guy that that could work at the small forward position rather than those temporary fixes but i mean if you can get another plus wing like there, there's You can never have too many wings in in today's NBA. I mean, Toronto is a prime example of that. Um, So if there is value to be found, if there's a a guy on on a team that doesn't have goals for this season and and is just looking to offload somebody, I, I would certainly look to capitalize on that opportunity. But I definitely feel less of a sense of urgency because things are working out well in the toughest stretch of the season. And you would expect more internal growth as the season progresses.
1: That's the nice thing about this team, and we know growth isn't going to necessarily be linear, but for the most part, everyone's efforts should trend up, like their feel, their understanding, their, you know, this is a young team that's learning on the fly a lot.
0: Yeah, and and just because the growth isn't linear, it's still likely going to be staggered, right? Like Colin Sexton is going through a bit of a slump right now. When he starts to come into his own, maybe Darius Garland is going to have a slump, or or maybe Isaac Okoro comes into his own when other players are slump. If Evan Mobley hits a bit of a rookie wall, right? Like so, when you have that kind of depth, you can weather those storms. And there's still a lot of guys that feel like they could be playing better. Ricky Rubio he has not been efficient, and and we've seen him have efficient stretches, right? Like he he's a little bit of a gambler out there, which is really fun to watch. Uh, but but he can play better. Laurie Markkinen was starting to come into his own offensively you, you hope there isn't too much of a lull but he can play a whole lot better like there there's a lot of easy paths to this team being a better team offensively than they've been so far and a lot of it comes down to just hitting open shots but to be 10 games into this season and for the Cavs to have a better offense than the Brooklyn Nets or the Denver Nuggets that is wild like we, we yeah. would never have expected that especially looking at the the strength of schedule
1: yeah, I mean, how many games has uh, Laurie Markkinen shot better than fifty percent from three so far this season? I'd guess two. Zero. Oh my goodness, I, I
0: thought he only one.
1: He's on. only hit gotten gone fifty percent from three in one game. Uh, he went two of four against Phoenix. Everything else, it's been less than. And like a guy like that is someone who you know is a dude who gets really hot in bunches. You know, will hit three, yep. four threes in a row, and that hasn't happened. So like you just keep looking at the things that kind of like should trend back, trend down on the Cavs. And there's just as many things that should trend up. And that's just really, really exciting.
0: Mm-hmm. It is. And you know, it feels good because everyone knows I'm an optimist, right? Like that's just my disposition. I'm that way in almost every aspect of my life. Um, and I just really felt that there was something here with this cast team. Like, I don't want to feel like I'm leading our listeners astray and whatnot. It is nice that, what we thought we saw is kind of coming to fruition, right? Like it's, it's a really, really exciting time to be a Cavs fan. I, I think they're, they're starting to win over some non-believers. And, um, I, I mean, there was, there was probably more optimism about this team nationally than there was internally, right? Like if you look at cast Twitter and, and a lot of the beat, um, there was not I, a lot I, of high expectations, hope. a lot of people taking the under on this season. And I, I felt like it was a, I and I can't believe I'm bringing this number up again, but I felt they were a 27 win team last season if things didn't go wrong, and you know they they are on a really really healthy pace to to exceed even my high expectations for the season.
1: Yeah, I mean I, I think that you uh, to to give you some credit, which I, I you know I am loath to do, I,
0: but continue.
1: but with with that said, you were really smart because everyone was looking at this win total. They said they got even younger. They lost Larry Nance, and you said they didn't have Larry Nance last year. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> he played like twenty games. Yeah, there, there was the the first seventeen <laughs> you know? games and, that he played, and then he hurt his hand, and he was and it was never the same after that. Yeah,
1: and and I thought that was a really really wise kind of read of the situation. Is like you can't just look at the roster sheet from year over year and say this is how it is, you know, and and like we could have never guessed Mobley would be. Actively helpful his rookie year because almost no rookies are. Yep. Um, So like that's the one where we just got to thank the basketball gods
0: a little bit. I thought I thought Mobley could have a bigger impact than Nance on this season in the aggregate because I was like he's probably not only going to play thirty games and you know if he's at least like seventy percent of what Nance brought to the table over seventy two games versus thirty that might have a, a positive impact if you're getting internal growth from other spots but I think it's fair to say, and like all due respect to our friend of the podcast, Larry Nance Jr. I think Evan Mobley's just a flat out better basketball player at this point, which you would not expect from a young rookie. And there might be the rookie wall. There might be setbacks there, but well, especially
1: um, if he keeps playing 40 minutes a game.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, I, I think you definitely need to, uh, to manage those minutes. And uh, we cannot we we need both love and Laurie back uh, to, to help facilitate that, I think. But um, it, it's a really, really great spot to be in, and I, I'm really excited to have Isaac Okoro come back because you you look at what this team has done defensively without their best point of attack defender, um, and, and just like the intelligence that he brings even on offense, um, kind of being a connecting piece, being a cutter. Uh, I feel like the growth that guys like Garland have shown in the, his time away from the team is really going to benefit him because I the, this team's getting more comfortable and he excels when he's not being asked to do too much, right? So if Garland's really coming into his own and, and you kind of continue to see that usage go up uh, at, with each coming each passing game, I, I think that's really going to open up a lot of uh, opportunities for Okoro and uh, he was doing a pretty good job of creating opportunities for himself early this season too.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. You know, I think that he we were all disappointed to see him get benched, Um, you know, even though it was an interesting decision to start. Laurie, you know, we all kind of wanted Isaac to just go out and win that job outright. Yeah. But with that said, like, I really liked what we saw from him early in the season. The jumper wasn't really falling, but he was finding ways to impact the game as a cutter and defensively. Uh, I thought that Denver game uh the one where he got hurt, I thought he was really, really good in that game. Uh, yeah. And, you know, it's not like he scored a ton of points, but like, you know, I, I, I think this team just is really thriving off of these kind of players who are, you know, more than their box score contributions. And I think Isaac really fits into that mold. Now, the jumper is going to have to come. Yeah. and I just want to get him. I want to see him get a chance to prove it, man. Like he's only how many three point attempts do you think he's put up this season so far?
0: Oh, God, it, it's got to be under 10 he only played four
1: games, right? Yeah. Five. Yep, five. So, you know, and like and some of that is self-inflicted, you know, in terms of like not hey, Another one goes in not and he's
0: taking a 40% them. three-point shooter. Yeah, yeah, no kidding.
1: <laughs> so, like, you know, I I just want to I want to see that volume go up. I want to I want I want the coaching staff to empower him and test him, you know. So much of three-point shooting gravity is people f- being afraid you're actually going to shoot Yep. Not not whether it goes in or not.
0: So Oh god, look at look at Dylan Windler against Portland like after he hit those threes, they were scrambling like he was Kyle Korver, right? Like it's it's the threat of the shot, right? Like you you can when you are active off ball and you are a threat to to pull up and, and shoot every single time you catch the ball, guys are, are going to scramble. Like, e- even if you're not a, a proven shooter, they don't want to look like crap on, on the film study. So un- unless they are just choosing to abandon you, which hasn't been the case with Okoro, like, I, I, I think that's going to generate opportunities. It's, man, it, I, I just, I can't say enough about how excited I am about this team because, as much flack as I caught in 2018 for saying, you know what, I'm I'm kind of ready for LeBron to to move on. I I, I want to build something organic and whatnot.
1: Just from me, really.
0: Yeah. Well, you not just from you. I, I I the Menchie's got quite a few shots as well. A lot from Lakers Twitter as well, which I I compared late career LeBron to uh, having him on your team to nights in Vegas, where yeah, the the first few nights are great, but you know by the end of it, your uh, your future savings are, are looking a, a little. Dwindle. Dwindled. uh you might be sore you might be exhausted but you know that's the experience he had a great time uh those years that he was there but this is the first time that this team has had a real identity outside of lebron james basically like since like, since 2003
1: Kaker. since i was 13 years old
0: yeah in in my ad- adult life like this is the first time they have an identity and uh, you know like when we talked in the off season about yeah they're really counting on internal growth like That is not a sexy thing to talk about. And in today's NBA, a a lot of guys are given up on and you're looking for short fixes and, oh, we're going to bring in a veteran that's just going to bring this young team to the playoffs and then we hope they learn along the way that's not really what happened here like yeah you brought in ricky rubio that that really helped he, he's a great adult in the room but this is really being propelled by that internal growth garland and allen in particular uh in, in this recent stretch have been really tremendous uh getting a, a, f- <laughs> a damn unicorn in evan mobley is uh, a real big difference maker as well but this team yeah. really has an identity and it's it's you know who really- you
1: know who we need to give some credit to on this on that front though our boy J.B. Vickerstaff. Oh, yeah. I mean, Absolutely. like, you know, it is, you know, we have, uh, we've been picking some nits with J.B. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last couple of pods. We haven't liked the the short rotations. Um, both of us, I, I, at least I was not, a, I'm and I remain not a fan of starting Dean Wade. But this is why <clears throat> coaching is more than, uh, it, it's more than, you know, playing 2K, right? Mm-hmm. It is, it is. Building a culture, it is it is teaching. Um, JB JB is in such a such a no win spot, you know, from the perspective he's got the youngest team in the NBA, and management and ownership clearly want him to go win games. Mm-hmm. So he had to take a team that uh, had very little track record of winning the last very three unconventional years. Conventional personnel. Yeah, we're a weird roster and make it work and get the, get a team full of historical defensive liabilities to play good defense. De- I don't know if people understand what a miracle it is that the Cavs are 13th in defensive rating.
0: Yeah, and, and young it's an teams don't rating. like both young of those teams striking.
1: But like but defensively specifically, young teams starting two defensive liabilities that are 6 footers, mm-hmm. uh 6-4 if you ask Justin. Um, but six-footers, if you ask most of the basketball world, uh, that are all 22 or 23 or younger mm-hmm. don't defend well.
0: Yep.
1: They just don't, especially when their backup center is Kevin Love. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like, you know, obviously they have Ricky coming off the bench, but the rest of the defensive, you know, they have Jetty and and Kevin, like no great shakes defensively personnel-wise coming off the bench. Th- this is, this is uh, effort. It is discipline. It is uh, listening to the coaching staff, and like you're really seeing buy-in. And and you know where you really know is when you kind of like hear other vets and people who've been around the league, like Eddie Johnson, uh, you know, a former uh, former great wing, uh, who I think now is a Suns color commentator. Like tweet like JB got those guys cooking. Uh, yeah. Kendrick Perkins, I think, shouted out JB the other day. Like a lot of people who are around the league who who know the guy. And, and no kind of culture are like, yeah, that's JB. So, like,
0: you know, as much Our as... buddy Dave Dufour has credited yep. him as a, a really good coach, that like, someone that he really respects.
1: Yeah, so, like, I just, you know, I, I just think, like, JB will always be the scapegoat when the team isn't doing well. Um, and I just think people really need to understand what culturally it takes to build a cohesive defense in a team that historically and most young teams do will in, in against a game like the raptors you know you're you you got the, the one Cavs game holds, at home the and Cavs then you go sp- hold that yeah.
0: game 9 yeah. times out of 10 in the past right like yeah. even in the lebron era like we would give up those type of games right like it, the regular season was not always enjoyable in the lebron era right like that was a, a team that i mean hey look how we embraced flip the switch there was a reason for that cuz that switch was off on many nights
1: yeah and and the last thing i'll say on jb is a lot of people um, in, in Indiana were, were sick of Nate McMillan, make, getting them to the playoffs every year. And and no matter who was hurt, no matter what was going on, they were still pretty dang good. And then they they nitpicked a lot of the details. And then they go get this offensive savant head coach that, oh, this guy you know built Nick Nurse's offense. Then he got there, and everyone hated him, and he was fired within a year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I just want to remind Cavs fans, like, count your blessings with a coach who has buy-in and sets a good tone culturally.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I I think, like, you, you look both ends of the floor especially with the strength of schedule it has been really really impressive and it's clear that they're getting buy-in and when we point out like areas for improvement and pick nits with either the players or the coaches like that's because we're at a stage where we are still really relying on internal development and growth right like this isn't a, a situation where these guys are all finished products and flaws in the roster um require you making a trade or, or adding someone yes that can help but at the end of the day like a lot of this is going to come from internal growth, both from the players and the coaching staff, right? Like, these guys are going to have good and bad games. And, like, that's what I... Like, that's the type of stuff that made me fall in love with basketball in the first place, right? Was teams looking to overcome the hump. Like, how many teams would run back the same roster uh, year after year? They they would run into a, a hurdle, a, a wall in the playoffs, a, a team that they couldn't beat. And they just found ways to improve their own games, to work towards it. Like, this is old-school NBA stuff that we're seeing right now. And you're seeing a roster that's really bought in, that's willing to sacrifice. Colin Sexton's made a ton of sacrifices. Darius Garland... Uh, has had to learn how to play off ball. His usage has dropped from last season. Um, everyone's looking to adjust to new roles, and, and they're just bought in because at the end of the day, these are guys that really care about winning. And that was something that we were told when these guys were drafted, when they were brought in. like Just hey, basketball guys. Garland, Okoro, Sexton... Allen, all Team USA guys with real great work ethics like that. That was the, the book on those guys. And we're seeing that now. So this is a really fun spot to be in. And, and I, I think it's important to point out that when we are pointing out kind of flaws and areas for improvement, it's it's to identify where those areas for growth are. Because when that, occur, when that growth occurs, if it does occur, we can give them their props. We can celebrate them. Because right now we're in a spot where this is a ridiculously young group like we talk about mobley as a franchise centerpiece and garland as the the engine for this team we're talking about a 21 year old and a 20 year old that is absurd we are in yeah. such a great spot right now and uh i'm excited for this ride like i i'm excited for the lulls that come this season i'm excited for the highs uh i'm, I'm not I'm excited hoping- for
1: the lulls keep the highs going please thank you <laughs> Uh, and I, if I can tease one of uh, one of the members of our chat right now, Al- Alex Story in the chat, who, who clearly isn't a big JB fan, uh, criticizing the offense, wants Mark Jackson, the oh. the only man who could hold Steph Curry back offensively. <laughs> no, thank you. No, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. I, I just I was on a, I was on a across the Cavs with Zach Weiss, which is a, another great Cavaliers podcast uh, this week. And Zach asked me kind of what my biggest disappointment was from the season. And, you know, obviously there's some things to, to, to pick at, you know, like I'm disappointed Colin isn't shooting well, but like, I wouldn't call that a disappointment because I know how basketball works, you know, like right. not to like to my own horn, but I know that sometimes shots don't go in and players slump. And I really kind of struggled to find one. I think the biggest disappointment I had was like, that I felt like Darius hadn't like completely made the leap yet. Like and if that's the, my biggest disappointment for the year, that means we're having a great year. So, yeah. I, I I know that it's I know it's basketball fans and it's Cavs fans, but I just got to implore everyone like you need to be having a little more fun right now. Like this is this is insane that they're is- six and four against this against this schedule. We thought that if they were going to find their way anywhere near five hundred ball, it would be after they got their you know got their asses kicked for the for the first like month of the year and then clawed their way back this this was not something either of us foresaw so i just want to kind of reiterate to the Cavs fan base like let's 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 nitpick later like let's (laughs) let's be bummed out and try to try to cut colin and get a new coat like Mm -hmm. if you want to do that do that later because right now they're winning games they shouldn't win uh, by conventional wisdom, they haven't been favored a single game this season. Justin, the the small the
0: spread baby,
1: the smallest line they faced is plus five.
0: That's unbelievable.
1: So so like this is a team that is bucking conventional wisdom, running some weird stuff, and it's working. And it feels like they have an identity. So yes, it's it's going to get less fun. But if you're not having fun now, I, I you know maybe find a new hobby because this is this is this is. This is the good stuff right now.
0: This is the good stuff. And and I I think a feather in JB's cap is we've seen him adjust on the fly, right? Like, I, I think the coaches that really struggle in today's NBA are the ones that can't adapt their systems to changes in personnel. And we saw last year when they would go no guards, like the the guards were all hurt and you would find a way to scrap out a win in Memphis with with JaVale McGee basically playing a shooting guard, right? Like we uh, we've seen him get funky and willing to try things. And all of a sudden, like uh, the criticism coming this year was, oh, it's just a very bland offense. It's just high pick and roll. There's no motion. Now we're seeing lots of motion. We're, we're seeing growth. We're, we're seeing things added to the playbook as these players and the personnel become capable of executing that stuff. So uh, that's really exciting. I, I think uh, the growth in the guards, like we talked about, Sexton's on-ball defense, I think it's been good. I think Garland's actually really, really improved defensively. Uh, basketball index actually in their top four strengths for Garland this year. Perimeter defense is has moved in. Into his top four strengths uh, according to their uh, metrics right now so uh, he's doing a a better job there for sure Uh, this
1: is a classic Justin uses a metric he doesn't understand to support his boys
0: I have no idea I I, you know what I have no idea what's going on there Um, but uh, even his uh, defensive block defensive box plus minus is good Uh, it has much much improved and I know a
1: lot about that one so yeah it, it, yeah, I know. I know exactly goes into that, that formula. The ones
0: are that are out there are matching my eye test, which is. The I saw. I saw thing.
1: some new stat called Drip that said that <laughs> said Evan Mobley was the ninth best defender in the league, and I'm like, sounds right to me. Retweet.
0: I, I Drip sounds like a metric that was created to convince people that Westbrook is better than Rubio. Still,
1: it, it, it sounds like a metric that was created to make fun of us.
0: Oh, 100%. Yeah. <laughs> One of these days, someone is going to create a fake metric that really puts the cows in a good light. And I'm just going to like shout it out on the podcast. And I'm going to have so much egg on my face. that That is bound to happen at some point here.
1: Yeah, I'm just gonna I'm gonna start making some up and just see if you can see if I can get you to retweet one.
0: Uh, you know what? It, it's basically like Ron Burgundy. If I see Cavs optimism, I'm I'm going to retweet it. So there's a, there's a good chance of that. But you know what? We've got a lot to talk about moving forward. The, this is another exciting week of can-win games. You got the Knicks tomorrow, Wizards, Pistons, and then playing the struggling Boston Celtics twice. Uh, you know, like. There's some good tests in there. Uh, Knicks and Wizards ha- have played really well this season. Uh, Wizards are a really deep team. Pistons, I think, is our first should win game. Uh, I think if we're not favored in that one, I want to need to talk to some Vegas odd-makers there. And yeah, then... I think I think
1: the Pistons game is the first one where yeah. they'll they'll be favored.
0: I-, I think that's probably a safe bet. But you know, uh, th- those two home games against Boston, that's uh, uh, maybe really maybe Washington.
1: Offense. I think I think they'll be favored by like one or two in Washington. You know, uh, I don't think Vegas likes them yet either.
0: <laughs> you know, that, that that's not a bad point, but this is another exciting week, right? Like if uh, even if you drop the game against the Knicks, you, you have a really good opportunity to get some more wins here early in the season before the schedule really starts lightening up and, and uh, catching up.
1: Boston when they they're still figuring themselves out a bit is yeah. is definitely a good thing because they, they are um, that that team is kind of also built to give the Cavs problems. Mm -hmm. and if they can get them while they're in a bit of a funk, that's that's kind of the dream, especially on a back-to-back, knocking out two of those four games. Woo, woo
0: great opportunities here Carter and I cannot wait to break them down I can't wait till the next Cas game like I, I am so eager for every single Cas game hopefully you guys feel the same way about this podcast and if you are waiting for every single episode of this podcast in the meantime you can support us if you're watching on YouTube you can like you can subscribe you can click the little notification bell so you know when we're going live if you're listening via podcast you can do what you we always ask you to do which is leave a rating leave a review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe and help cook those books if you want to be part of the chase downs exclusive chat you can do so by sending a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com however you choose to support us we really do appreciate it make sure you guys are staying safe out there and until next time go Cavs